1973, an enormously ambitious and outrageously energetic Robin Williams enrolled at the Juilliard School of Performing Arts in New York. Despite his great intentions, he never graduated. And looking back, you might say to yourself that it hardly mattered. But in a way, it mattered to Williams. You see, when he had first declared his ambition to be an actor, his father had replied, Wonderful, just have a backup profession like welding. <laughs> which may tell you a lot about the regard the father had for both the son's talent and ambition. Yet, despite the sarcasm, Williams not only enrolled in the Juilliard, he actually won a scholarship. And as if that were not enough, he was one of just two candidates that year who were granted admission into the Juilliard's advanced programme. Yet within 12 months, and under extremely unusual circumstances, Williams had left the school. He wasn't thrown out, nor did he fail to meet his grades. No, so great was his talent that his teacher at the Juilliard, the legendary John Houseman, who had just won an Oscar for his performance in The Paper Chase, told his student, there is nothing more we can teach you, so you should go out and get some work. Good morning, Vietnam! Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. Time to rock it from the Delta to the DMZ. Is that me or does that sound like an Elvis Presley movie? Viva Da Nang. Oh, Viva Da Nang. Da Nang me, Da Nang me. Why don't they get a rope and hang me? In the one year that Williams was in class, he met and befriended two Christophers. One, Christopher Walken, and the other, the real Superman, Christopher Reeve. Williams's friendship with Reeve was quick and deep and endured hard and fast throughout the years and lasted until Reeve's death in 2004. In 1995, while horse riding, Reeve had fallen and sustained a cervical spinal injury that paralyzed him from the neck down. It can't be easy to witness such profound and prolonged suffering in such a close friend. And then compounding that, within two years of Reeves' death, his widow, Dana, succumbed to lung cancer at the age of 44. She had never smoked a cigarette in her life. For a good number of years, from the mid-1970s through to the early 80s, Williams was a slave to alcohol and cocaine. The Colombian dancing dust, we're talking about cocaine. Mmm, what a wonderful drug. Anything that makes you paranoid and impotent, mmm, give me more of that. <laughs> Isn't it nice that you can do a drug that make you talk to people you normally wouldn't talk to and talk about silly things that you never even say in daylight? Oh, <laughs> what a great drug. And there's a wonderful thing called freebasing. It's not free, it costs you your house. It should be called homebasing. <laughs> Two things shook him from that servitude. The wasteful death of his gifted friend, John Belushi, and the birth of his first child, Zachary. It was then that Robin Williams, who had once been a son to an unimpressed father and was now a very impressed father to a newborn son, simply quit. He did not enter rehab to rid himself of his vices, nor did he go on a 12-step recovery program. Instead, he just stopped there and then. I remember stopping it on my own because I was about to have a son and I didn't want to be coked up going, hey, dad loves you. Here's a little switch. I'm going to throw up on you. You know, you don't want to be like that. And I had to kind of go, but I did it alone. So that was why it was, you know, 20 years without any help. The greatest triumph of any person's life is the moment they overcome themselves. And it seemed for a long time that Williams had overcome himself. It seemed he'd escaped the pain that threw him into the arms of such destructive addictions. 
And let's face it, most of us have destructive tendencies. We struggle to varying degrees with inner conflicts, self-doubt, self-esteem, narcissism, anger, addiction, depression, delusion. And so each one of us travels roughly the same path. Each of us wrestles with our own inner self and the arena for that conflict is always the same place, the mind. And odd as it may sound, your mind can be your most dangerous, vicious and long-standing opponent. And so living in your own head is a very dark, dank, cold and lonely place. All comedians live in abject fear of the audience not laughing. The metaphors are you killed or you die. So those are the two. Chris Rock said it's like being a prize fighter. You've got to get ready and you've got to be physically ready and emotionally ready and obviously, you know, intellectually and psychologically ready to get out and get in front of people and do the, the you know, do what you do. Beyond the addictions and the fear of rejection, Williams was contending with two alimonies. Divorce from the old Latin word divorcarum, meaning having your genitals torn out through your wallet. <laughs> oh, that's a kiss your assets goodbye. And from his widow, Susan Schneider, we have learned that he had been diagnosed with Parkinson's. Undoubtedly, it was these issues, and not just one, that gathered to torment Robin Williams so much that he felt his only escape was to silence not his problems, but to silence himself. Leonard? Leonard? Dr. Sayer, sit down, sit down. Why? What's wrong? We've got to tell everybody. We, 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 we've got to remind them. We've got to remind them how good it is. How good what is, Leonard? Read the newspaper. What's it say? All bad. It's all bad. People have forgotten what life is all about. They've forgotten what it is to be alive. They need to be reminded. They need to be reminded about what they have and what they can lose. And what I feel is the joy of life, the gift of life, the freedom of life, the wonderment of life. In 1988, Robin Williams performed in Samuel Beckett's Waiting for Godot. The production was staged at New York's Lincoln Theatre. It was directed by no less a luminary than Mike Nichols. Steve Martin played Vladimir, Williams Estragon, and as if that were not enough, F. Murray Abraham played Pozzo, and Bill Irwin appeared as Lucky. For all the praise heaped upon the production, consider this story from Steve Martin. Martin was one of the first comedians to play to tens of thousand people in one night. He was one of the first comedians to sell out football stadiums. Then he went to Hollywood where he made the jerk. After the premiere, one of his friends turned to Martin's father and said, you must be very proud, to which Martin Sr. replied, well, he's no Charlie Chaplin. What I'm saying is that there comes a time in everyone's life, and the sooner it happens the better, where seeking the approval of your parents is unnecessary. You have to replace it with your own self-approval. And if you can secure that, you overcome yourself. The noise in your head diminishes, and you accept who you are. You become your own hero. Do you uh, you get along pretty well with your mom? Oh, very well. Yeah. She's wonderful. Yeah. Now, now, would you say, I mean, it may not be fair to, to make this, uh, but would you say she's the person from whom you got your sense of humor, or did it come from other places? Actually, I sent away for it. <laughs> you got draw, a pretty good deal. Draw then. a picture of this chicken and get a sense of humor. <laughs> if you can figure out why the two Jews walked into the bar, then you can be funny. Call this number. Uh, I think she is, basically. My father had a drier sense of humor, which was basically, shut up. Christopher Reeve played the comic book hero Superman, whose alter ego was Clark Kent. 
The term hero is bandied around all too often, and because of it, the word has lost much of its meaning. The origin of the word is Greek and is not a noun, but a verb. It translates into English as to protect and serve. Now that we understand that, we perhaps can get to the heart of the matter. Robin Williams was a driven man, and whatever the drive may have been, it drove him to great heights, but it also tortured him. And although he suffered drug and alcohol addiction, by all accounts, at the time of his death, he was winning that constant battle. More than that, whatever demons sat nightly on William's shoulder, he didn't turn those demons out on other people. Thinking of Williams' torment, I also think of the likes of Mel Gibson and Charlie Sheen, whose careers are constant struggles with the very dark side of human nature. But where Gibson's and Sheen's troubles have repeatedly wounded other people, and indeed have projected themselves onto the screen in very disturbing ways, Robin Williams played characters who put other people first. Think of the three doctors he portrayed in Awakenings, Patch Adams and Goodwill Hunting. There, Williams's character was protecting and serving those around him. Those characters did so without seeking recognition or adulation. Those characters did so because the virtue of the act was its own reward. Hey, Will. I don't know a lot. You see this? Holy shit. This is not your fault. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. I know. It's not your fault. I know. No, no, you don't. It's not your fault. Hmm? I know. It's not your fault. All right. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Don't fuck with me. It's not your fault. Don't fuck with me, all right? Don't fuck with me, Sean, not you. It's not your fault. <laughs> now let's look at Dead Poets Society. There are surely very few people around who have seen the film and have not been affected by the beauty of its ending. Just as in Goodwill Hunting, Williams served as a mentor to young men, and just as in that picture, he sought to steer them clear of the thorns of life that lay ahead. In real life, Williams not only donated millions of dollars to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, he also committed a lot of his time to easing the pain of very sick children by visiting them and helping them laugh. In addition to that, Williams repeatedly entertained the US troops serving in Afghanistan and Iraq. Although he was opposed to the war, he put aside his personal beliefs to provide some relief to people whose lives are in near constant danger. Protecting and serving. And while we laugh at all those great jokes, may we consider this. Robin Williams spent so much energy giving happiness to other people, he left none for himself. To quote from Whitman, me, O life of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, 
What good amid these, O me, O life? Answer, that you are here. That life exists and identity. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse.